We must obey God rather than any human authority. That was Peter's response to the high priest of Israel telling them to stop preaching and teaching about Jesus. Peter's response claimed that the high priest had no real authority, certainly no authority given by God, but that the high priest was simply part of a human institution, a rather bold claim for a fisherman whose rabbi had been condemned as a heretic by Israel and then condemned to death and crucified by Rome. Then again, Jesus did tend to bring out some audaciousness in people. I suppose being resurrected from the dead tends to do that. When Jesus first met with his disciples, they had the door locked to the room in which they were staying because they were afraid of most of Israel, which had not come to follow Jesus. Their plan was to duck and cover, hide until the heat went down and folks had basically forgotten about Jesus. But then, Jesus was resurrected and appeared to them. He gave them the Holy Spirit just as he had given the Holy Spirit. He had been given the Holy Spirit after his baptism. It was time for the disciples to stop hiding and go to work. Time for them to spread the news of Jesus, of his kingdom, of his love and his grace. Jesus' resurrection gave the disciples boldness to follow him and to obey him in ways that they hadn't been able or willing to before. There they were in front of the high priest, as we were told in Acts. They were being told to stop their preaching, and they were flatly defying him, telling him that they had to obey God rather than the high priest. The last time someone had done that, they sent him to Rome to be crucified. But as Peter well knew, the death that they gave to Jesus didn't really take. So Peter boldly declared that he would be obeying God. Thank you very much. Obedience to God and the trust that comes along with it is rather central to our faith. When we are asked in baptism, will you promise to follow and obey Jesus as your Lord, we say... Okay, good. Y'all got that one. Yes, we say, I will. Obedience to God, following in his ways are central to our faith. Obedience to God and following in his ways is central to Scripture. Consider Psalm 119, 33 to 35. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. Obedience to God and following in his ways Keeping his commandments is not just described as something that we are supposed to do. Obedience to God is described as a delight. The longing of our souls and the way which gives us life. That is the way and the joy which Jesus' disciples were following when Peter told the high priest that they had to obey God rather than him. Now, the high priest was, of course, trying to follow in God's ways, too but possibly out of more obedience and less joy. Obedience to God or obedience to anything, for that matter, can be a joy because partially that obedience can simplify our lives. Should I do this or that? 
Well, following God's ways, you should do that. Okay, done. Now, I don't have to think about it too much. I don't have to get too caught up in the subtleties and nuance of the situation. Simply follow and obey. And such simple obedience can be a wonderful shelter in a crazy, complex, and frighteningly ambiguous world. We do have to be cautious, however, that such simple obedience to God's ways does not lead to harsh observance or strict enforcement of his laws. Such is the problem with many radicalized groups who become so zealous for their understanding of God's ways that they end up harming others in God's name. Harsh observance and strict enforcement of God's laws is how the chief priests and the Pharisees lived in Jesus' day, ultimately leading to Jesus' death. Harsh observance and strict enforcement of God's laws was where Saul found himself when he was persecuting the early church. Harsh observance and strict enforcement of God's laws is the path that the church has often taken, leading to killing those who aren't of the right brand of Christianity. Harsh observance and strict enforcement of God's laws is how radical Muslims live, although they largely misinterpret or willfully misinterpret Islam's understanding of God's laws. We want certainty in an uncertain world, And so we can end up zealously following God's laws and God's ways in ways that harm others. An example of this was the movie Chuck Lott. Years ago, Johnny Depp was in that. And a great little movie about a small town in France. And the mayor of this town was very ardent and zealous in his observance of the ways of the church. The town was under his watchful eye. He even rewrote the priest's sermons when he felt that they weren't quite zealous enough. You could describe the town as overchurched, but under grace. And as the movie opens, the town is beginning their observance of Lent. And at the same time, a woman moves into town, a gypsy woman, and she opens up a chocolate shop. And this does not sit well with the mayor of the town at all. It seems a bit brazen and quite unseemly to him to tempt the people of their town out of their Lenten fasts with chocolates and sweets. Even worse, this woman has a daughter born out of wedlock, and she herself is not a Christian. So rather than welcome this woman into the town, the mayor begins a harsh campaign against her and her shop, despite the fact that she was bringing A lot of healing to the community. A lot of healing to strained or dying relationships of people within the community. The mayor was so zealous in his desire to follow God's laws that he became a tyrant. And there was certainly no joy for him in the observance of God's laws. He was kind of miserable. And he was trying to follow God's laws, but he was doing so without love, without grace. We're told in 1 Corinthians, faith, hope, and love abide, or faithfulness, hope, and love. These abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. The law of love would keep us from harming one another, despite how zealous we become for God's ways. The law of love reminds us that obedience to God's ways is meant to give us life. The law of grace reminds us to be gentle. 
understanding and forgiving in how we live out our obedience to God's laws. The laws of love and grace allow us to obey God's laws with joy. Without love and grace, it is little wonder that we often become very ardent in our adherence to various parts of God's law. God's laws and God's ways give us grounding and certainty in an uncertain world, as I said before. And so then if we feel God's laws are being threatened, then some of our stability and certainty is being threatened, and the world is suddenly dangerous and frightening once more. That is when we remember God's law of love and grace. And we put our trust in Jesus' resurrection. Like Peter, trusting in Jesus' resurrection, we can follow Jesus' ways without being afraid of those who don't. We're going to follow in Jesus' ways and not be threatened by those who follow Jesus a little bit differently than we do when we follow God's ways with love and grace. We seek to follow Jesus' ways and we take delight in obeying God's laws. And we give up some of our freedom in order to do that. And we find ourselves then being set free by following God's ways. Ask an addict who has been free to use whatever his addiction was total freedom, only to find himself in bondage to that addiction. And then that addict gave up his previous freedom to try to obey the ways of God, and doing so set that person free from the bonds of addiction. Obeying God's ways sets us free from any number of chains, and that freedom comes with great joy. Jesus' resurrection gives us freedom. To obey God, despite opposition from the world around us. Jesus' resurrection tells us not to fear when others don't follow in God's ways. Because our lives are His. And He will keep us in this life and in the next life. Jesus' resurrection allows us to be obedient to God. And to live out the laws of love and the laws of grace with joy. Amen.